I knew after the fourth glass of wine we should have gone home from the party. We were riding our bikes, after all, not far, half mile, but it was dark. And number 32, the guy who was living with me at the time, had a tendency to Jekyll and Hyde it by glass six. You know, the charming and clever Dr. Jekyll that turns into evil Hyde as the night wears on. Number 32's Jekyll was a sober Irishman, born and raised. An accent that wooed the likes of any sex. Long, soft white hair. Tall, thin, with large, strong hands that sweetly played guitar songs of his own composition. Number 32's Mr. Hyde was an inebriated Irishman. Moody and verbally aggressive. Cutting to the bone in the dark hours of the night. His favorite words to me in those moments were, You're a cunt. I needed to get number 32 home from the party, get him to sleep before the C word came out again. Number 32 and I first met at a small cafe in New Hampshire. He offered me his table during the busy lunch hour. We bonded briefly on the book he was reading about the deceased folk singer Nick Drake. And then he tucked his leather satchel under his arm and headed out the door. But not before, in beautiful handwriting, he jotted his number on a scrap of paper. Call me if you want. I called him about a month later, drove three hours to Hudson Valley, New York, where he was doing construction work. We drank, listened to music, got naked. I stayed the night, and the inevitable disaster began for the next two years. Again, I was breaking my despicable dating rules. Number one, must own car. Number 32, did not own a car. Number two, must have steady job. Number 32, no steady job. Number three, must meet his mother. Not likely, she lives somewhere in rural Ireland. I come my pet, let's remain down by the waters of Lake Champlain. My wallet is empty, my heart is true, and shall me last never I cheat on you. Fast forward 21 months, back at the party. Number 32 is now on drink eight, and his conversation with partygoers is growing loud and slurred. Turn up the music, my mate. Okay, now it's really time to go home. It's dark, and we stumble to our bikes. We do have headlamps, and I have a helmet. But he does not. Getting him to wear one, another argument lost. We got 50 yards down the dirt road, and he tips over. Just pauses, balancing on narrow wheels, and then over he goes, trying to negotiate, pedaling around a corner. Shall we walk? Fuck now. The route home is houses on the right, lake on the left. As we approach my house, I take a little swerve into the street to accelerate enough to get up the little hill of my driveway. Number 32 did the same, but swerves too far. His bike tips, wheels spinning, and he tumbles down the 25-foot bank toward the lake, body rolling through bramble and broken glass, yelling out to me, you cunt, for no apparent reason, and then his head, his stubborn noggin, hits something hard. I panic. On my backside, I slide my way down to find him, his head square on a cement block, once the foot of a set of stairs that led to a small beach. He's groaning, blood matting his white hair that glistens in the moonlight. Don't move. Don't move. Fuck you. I'll go get help. My phone is on the counter at home. I stumble to the house. 911, what's your emergency? 
By the time I get back to the road, number 32 has crawled up the hill. Blood everywhere. You idiot. You fucking idiot. Act 2. The Aftermath in Hindsight. It could have ended up a lot worse. Number 32 got 22 staples across the top of his head, suffered extensive bruising over most of his body, and although the MRI didn't show a concussion, I'm convinced his mental acuity has been severely altered. Although, that could have been the case before the incident. The ambulance bill and all expenses were paid by my tax dollars by way of our medical system. Number 32 and I stuck it out for another year with nothing changing, and eventually it dwindled to nothing. The day came where number 32 pedaled off with 200 bucks from my pocket into his, a guitar on his back, and a lasting scar on his head, and no helmet. Number 32 has his charms and talents. He has a way with words, with storytelling, with making soulful music. And to be fair, in exchange for supporting his quest to be a wealthy musician, ha, yeah, I know, he did do a lot of remodeling around my house. But in the long run, it wasn't worth his presence. He was full of wonderless, red wine, and a sailor's mouth, with a singular dream, compose and play music all day, with little incentive to do anything with it. To this day, I ask myself, what was wrong with me? Why did I prolong this as long as I did? Why didn't I stick with my three dating rules? Car, job, adores mother. I still hear from number 32 on occasion in the form of short emails. Here's one. I would love to share this with you in an Irish accent, but I have no talent for that. Subject, yo girl. Anissa, I was just thinking about you last night. Someone asked me where I got the big scar on my head and all of a sudden the bicycle and those Lake Champlain days came flooding back. Here are a few songs you might like from a few months ago. Still works in progress. Sigh. I hope you're doing really well and happy as a clam. Later, XXO. So you heard about the accident Didn't realize her face was so badly damaged You're the saddest Sicilian trombone player in the world Take a shallow breath Turn up the radio Make a sharp turn She's a rival for your attention This was episode 3 Have some thoughts about what you just heard? Please share in the comments form at alladanisa.com Join me next time for another episode coming soon In the meantime, keep your heels planted and stay strong